Yo. How you doing? I'm good. Never done one of these before. You never done one. These are good. We're doing one every day, so um, they're going they're going down pretty well. Thing is, it's better than um, Facebook because Facebook you can't add a guest. Can you not? No, it's just no. one screen. So there you go. How many guests can you have? One or two? Two, just just two. Hmm. Hold on, let me I've just. Got it, I have to do that by myself. Mate, they're, I just find them better than Facebook. Um, yeah, a bit more interaction. And like you Sorry. said, I can add people as well. Sorry, before we just start, I'll just mention my, my cousin on here is a surgical trainee at the minute, so she's working for the NHS and smashing it out, so everyone's just saying thanks. Go to smash it out, right? I've got a lot of clients in the NHS. They're um, bossing it on the front You line. have? You have? Yeah, yeah. I've got about, I think I've got about 20, 20 NHS clients. Um, uh, all, 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 uh, all on the front line. Um, and obviously, bossing it as always. Yeah, I've seen on your Facebook where they're all still doing the home metabolic sessions and stuff in the group. Yeah, yeah, they're doing, all doing the home mets, and then obviously, I think um, next week we've organised uh, for our members who are in the NHS um, meals. So we're going to get meals delivered to them. Oh, uh, wicked. So a lot of them obviously got families, right? So when you have a family, obviously, they're at home. Uh, so it's obviously just easier from that perspective to obviously help out in that, in that sense. Yeah. yeah. Give them actually a proper cooked meal. <laughs> nice. Everyone loves a proper cooked meal, right? Well, yeah. As you know, I love my cooked meals as well. Mate, if you, anyone's you prepping, you prepping as, I'm still prepping. I'm prepping for about a week. <laughs> On a Sunday, still the same. The habit's not changed. So, guys, Sam was my coach for three years between 2013 up until 2016. Is it 2016? Blimey, yeah, 2016, yeah, yeah. So I'm talking about 2013. 2013, that was the start, yeah, no. That's when I joined, I think it was 20, yeah, it was 2013, because I was living in Bournemouth 2012, came back, beginning, beginning of the year, I wanted, I wanted to join the reserves, and I wanted to go that extra bit, and then, yeah, I think I joined in the reserves. After, like, three months of having an operation, we smashed it. Three months for 25, I got met you. 2013 is well far away, isn't it? <laughs> I, I can't remember that. Too far, too long ago. Too much has changed. A lot's changed at you, Yeah. Go on, so, just give, give everyone a little brief introduction of who you are and what you do before we go into uh, some questions so, I've got up there. So, guys, uh, I'm Sam, uh, founder of UFIT Studio in uh, Barbie Road in Leicester. Uh, if you've not heard of us, you'll probably soon will. Um, I'm planning to take over, as always. Uh, but in essence, how we work, um, how we work is that, for example, we work with probably 75% female. Uh, we have a membership base of about 220 members, uh, but 75% of them are female. Uh, I would say my expertise it lies in uh, psychology and exercise, but mainly mindset and stuff, uh, but mainly, mainly on the female side. Uh, we have a team of, uh, one, two, me, uh, team of five. Uh, obviously all looking after our members. Um, we're not your typical stereo uh, sort of gym. We're exclusive from uh, a member perspective. Um, every single member gets uh, personal training with ourselves and they get their own program and they can use the facility, use their program along with coming to some classes. So we're not a commercial gym where you can just go up, 
to rock up and do your own thing. In essence, we look after that. We take all the guesswork away and obviously take you from point A to point B. Um, and obviously make sure you get the, the goals that you require, but also the um, support. Uh, what we perceive is the biggest thing, what most people need, the accountability and the support element, uh, rather than the exercise element, personally for myself. So yeah, been rocking that for, what, 2016? Well, 2013 yourself, then 2016 uh, to Robust, so 2016, 2017. Yeah, 2020, wow. I can't believe our time's gone. Uh, but yeah, we've gone from strength to strength. Um, we had uh, 56, 54 members when I took over in 2016. And now we have yeah, 220. So a lot of uh, females and a lot of uh, uh, fun. So yeah, it's been a good journey so far. Definitely a lot of females. I mean, I enjoyed training there for obvious reasons. 75. I think probably even then it was 75% females, or probably probably more. I think. Yeah, but you love you love the older females. That's why they love you. <laughs> what can I say? You was a very polite chap. That's why. Just helpful. Yeah, helpful and polite. Setting their equipment up, looking after them, giving them food. <laughs> <and doing. laughs> that's just that's just how I am. I was going to say that's just how I was. Probably would be the same even now. Yeah. Do you know what? So we'll go through some of the questions. Um, in the end, guys, if you've got any questions in the meantime, just pop them down here. We'll try and get to them at the end if we've got enough time. So, um, Sam, so about three or four questions have popped through in the week or since yesterday. One of the questions is, how can I build confidence in going to a gym? I don't feel I have the confidence. I usually train at home and I have been training at home for five years. So I guess it's a massive change from not having anybody watching you to go into a place. What would you say to that? Hey, the biggest thing for me is that, unfortunately, you're not going to gain confidence by staying in your home. Um, unfortunately, you have to be, get yourself uncomfortable uh, to create confidence. Uh, confidence, in my opinion, is created over time. It's created by behaviours. But unfortunately, why in one respect, there's two sides of the coin. In one respect, you are building confidence because you are obviously training and looking after yourself in your own home. But to develop to that next level and the next step up, you've got to take yourself out of your comfort zone, which is your home. Now, unfortunately, we're in a, um, depending where you're from, I know in Leicester, for example, unfortunately, we're in Leicester where there's not many commercial gyms that understand that, but there's not many gyms that understand that. So therefore, they're always um, horrible environments to walk into. Uh, and not helpful. So you can walk into a commercial facility knowing that, for example, they don't know you. That's the, that's the irony. They don't know what sort of clientele they get. Now, where we're from at UFIT, I understand the clientele I get. I understand that, for example, they're going to be fearful. I understand that, for example, they're going to feel judged. I understand that they've got no confidence. I understand that they don't know how to do weight training efficiently. Right? I understand that. So therefore, for instance, from our, the moment you walk into our facility, you meet a lady called Babisha, and Babisha is a beautiful advocate for the studio because she has been a size 18, and now she's a size 10. Um, she did that in nine months with my help, and then I hired her to work at the studio. Okay, but she's the person you first meet. So first of all, you're going to meet someone who's been on a journey of change, but also a journey of building confidence in her own right, right? And she's been with me now for the last five years, right? So it's a beautiful thing to see. But from your own perspective, it's about looking and finding something that will help you in your next step of your journey. But like I said, it, it is challenging in our environment. There's so much, uh, unfortunately, so many bad PTs, uh, no fault of their own. It's just from their educational, what they've been taught. 
but also it's very hard to see where, for example, where the good PTs are or where you're going to get the right support. Um, so my, my, my best advice would be, would be to you, if you are in Leicester, come and speak to us, um, have a chat with me, and then you'll see I'll get to understand you and you get to understand us from a different perspective. Um, if you're not in Leicester, then what I'd recommend is, is just searching, searching for something that's going to develop confidence towards that next step. Now, confidence is in many forms. It depends where you lack confidence. So if you lack confidence of going to a gym, then you've got to build stepping stones to go to that. But you've got to look within and go, actually, where do I lack confidence in the first place? Because confidence can come from image. It can from, come from childhood. It can it come from your self-worth. It can come from your self-belief. So you have to probably potentially look into them avenues as well before you take that step as well, which, is, again, it's hard to do. Um, but if you are in Leicester, just reach out and I'll give you uh, – we can have a chat. Yeah, I'd say the same, but just to reiterate the difference between UFIT and a commercial gym or I'd probably say any other gym. You, you can walk into a gym, sign a piece of paper, sign the waiver, give your membership money and you're in. And it, it can be quite daunting. But the difference with UFIT, you can't do that. You can't go in there and have a membership without, without being a member. And it is very exclusive. And that's the difference, I'd say, probably with you guys having that experience, Pavisha being through that change herself, that transformation, but then having that individual accountability to each person, whereas it's about them and it's not about sort of just having people through the door. But again, if, you, if they're not in Leicester, like you said, it depends where that confidence or the lack of confidence is. Is it the image? Is it self-worth? Is it just getting in there and thinking you're going to show yourself up and Again, the, beautiful yeah. the beautiful thing with confidence is that confidence can develop. So the moment you come into the studio and then start your program, confidence is already starting. Because I had a lady, for example, um, irony, I was in my office, uh, Bob wasn't in this day, and the lady walked in, walked straight in, just sat in my office chair, never met her before, she sat there, I was like, wow, this is a first. She's like, Sam, I need to join. I'm like, what? And I turned around, <laughs> I turned around and this lady's like, I've been sitting in your car park for the last hour. But I didn't dare come in, but I've just built the courage to come in, and now I need to join. And it was just yeah. the, the, the irony of it. We spoke, we spoke, and to this day, I think she lost three stone. Uh, she's a beautiful lady. She knows if, if she was listening to this now, she'd know who I'm talking about. Uh, but the thing is, she had that, she just got that initial urge, and then just felt the fear and done it anyway. If you want a book, uh, the book that changed my life, it's Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway by Susan Jeffrey. Um, that's yeah. what this client felt. She, she had the urge, and then she just, Instead of just denying herself, she just took a step forward and walked forward into the it. studio and then from that changed her life. I think there's other ways again. If they're not in Leicester, it's a bit obviously very difficult to do that or come to Leicester, but if they're out there and there's other things that they can do to build up to go into a gym, getting outdoors, getting yeah. in an environment where there's other people doing walks or hiking or something where they can build up towards that, where they're actually doing something physically in an environment yeah. where there is people. This book that's the book, is powerful yeah. for everyone. Feel the fear and do it anyway. It's probably the book that's changed my life, but I, re I always recommend it to all members, right? Because it's a book that basically has analogies in it that you can relate to. I've not met a per single person who doesn't relate to something in this book. That's the yeah. power of the book. But if you do read the book, you'll probably find it will actually give you a different perspective, and that different perspective then allow you to then take that next step. I think I, I read that after you... You told me about that, I think, well, a long time ago. Right. I've read it. I've read going it a million times since. Going on to an, the next question. Bit of a long-winded one. 
what is, I think there's a couple of aspects to this. So I'll read it out first and we can split it. So what is progressive overload? My new trainer has me training five times a week. Previously, I was not doing resistance training. Is this too much? It is a mixture of resistance and running. Four runs, uh, four resistance, one running. So let's split this. I've got my opinion on this, but I'm going to let you do it. <laughs> what is, okay, let's, what is, okay, let's split it. So what is progressive overload? So let's start with that. So the training aspect of progressive overload, not the programming. Let's, or I guess they're interlinked, but what is progressive overload? Progressive overload is where you create a stimulus on the muscle tissue to apply and create change. So it adapts in simple form. So simple form, if you apply overload to a bicep, for example, you're asking it to create change or break down. You're asking it to adapt. That's progressive overload. If you do the same load over and over again, for example, the efficiency of the biceps is going to become very efficient. So there's no direct overload. So therefore, the, the typical way most people add overload is just add more weight. Sometimes it's not always the best thing to do, but it's, more, it's always the easiest or what most people perceive as the easiest thing to do. So you add more load. But the thing is, with progressive overload, if you don't have correct form and you progressive overload, then potentially at risk of injury. So uh, progressive overload is important to create adaptation and change on a physique, but also help uh, body fat. But again, there's, uh, there's elements where it has to be safe to do so. Cool. So let's go on to the next bit. Yeah, no, no, 100%. So let's go on to the next part of this. It's a bit of a statement here and a question. So my new trainer has me training five times a week. Previously, I was not resistance training. So this person's gone from not uh, doing no resistance training to getting a trainer, the trainer smashing them on five times a week. Is this too much? Yeah, go on. <laughs> I think my face has gone. Get rid. Okay. So majority of people that I meet typically try and out-train their diet, typically, because that's the mantra that's always been done, always, always, always. So, for example, I need to train five days a week, I need to burn as many calories as I can, because most people are not willing to look at the nutrition, but also most PTs don't look at nutrition, because they can't be asked, or they give you a strict plan, which is then BS, because you can't adhere to the strict plan. So therefore, for example, then you add more training volume in. Now, for someone who starts with my facility, you'll be never pushed into the deep end because the chances are, if someone pushed you in five days a week, you're going to hate it. And if you hate it, you're not going to enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, you're not going to do it often. So therefore, it's a pointless exercise in the first place. What they're trying to do is force their results. They force their intentions and their results onto you by making you work too hard, too soon, and you will not enjoy it. You'll actually become to resent it, and then therefore you won't do it for long enough. Remember, exercise has to be something that you can enjoy, but do it regular uh, and then see progressive results over time. Like try and train five days a week and try to drop three pounds. It's just pointless because you're going to rebound, right? Now, typically, if you're going to look at your nutrition, if you want two things, one, don't train that much, right? Because remember also, for example, from a training perspective, you've got to build progressive overload, but progressive overload with time. So therefore, you've got to do it over a period of time where you start to execute the exercise effectively. If you train four days a week, you've never done strength prior, I guarantee your technique's awful. Um, don't, take, don't take that the wrong way. That'll be the coaches coaching you because um, it's obviously designed the program. But for example, I'd be looking at food. Typically, when I speak to a client, the first thing I look at is food, 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 food. But food in the sense of what can we implement to make it easy for them 
to get a grip on food. The chances are, majority of people, here's one for you, eat fast. So here's my advice. Don't train five days a week. Eat slowly. Time yourself for 20 minutes. And ask yourself when you're approaching fullness, 80% fullness and stop. Fat loss is easy when you use logic. It's hard when you use emotion to dictate your thoughts and feelings. So logic. The, the stomach will tell you when you're full. It will tell you when you're... You need to stop eating. The problem is we listen to our emotional side of the brain and then we continue to eat to fulfill our needs or emotional state. So I want to train five days a week. Personally, it's not productive. Uh, and then just look at food more. If you want your personal trainer, ask him to look at your food more. Would you say you, need, you wouldn't train five days a week from not training? Yeah, if, if someone's Three novice and not training, then go and train yeah. five days a week yeah, yeah, yeah. too much. Right? So what, like, what would you say they do to that trainer? I, I wouldn't <laughs> say the, 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 the irony, the trainer's obviously trying to impose something, and I get it. We've all been there. Trust me, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to put my hands up. I'll push someone straight off the bat for five days. But now I understand female psychology and the, the type of client I deal with. I know that pushing someone five days a week is not, they're going to hate it. Imagine having doms, a woman having doms who's 45 or 30, having doms that bad that can't get out of bed. It's just not nice. Not right. to start with, I guess that, that, that falls into the progressive overload, I guess, where eventually you could build up towards that, right? Would you say? Yeah, because then you start to enjoy it. It's a bit like you, right? If I train you, there's an element of you that enjoys that progressive overload, but you've, you, that's something you've built and you've learned to understand mentally as well. Remember, progressive overload is the majority of a mental state as well as a physical state, but you've got to develop the mental state in order to prog really progress progressive load. Because if you can't handle the progressive load mentally, you just quit. But your brain's quitting before your body. It's pointless. So therefore, that's got to go in tune. So her progressive overload should have been over, built over at least a four or five week block. Get her enjoying exercise. Get her back into the swing of exercise. Look at food more because her food behaviours was more shocking, more than anything. Like the irony is, a lot of people are overweight. They're overweight. Yes, they do lack of exercise to some degree, but their nutritional behaviours are way beyond out of control. And that's conscious state of eating and unconscious state of eating. So in essence, you have to make them look at that first. Because you make them look at that first, they're going to be truly honest with themselves, then they can make better progress. Because yeah. irony is, if someone trains too much, they end up eating too much because they think they're training too much. So it's a double-edged sword. I could go on and on. You're right. Cool. Here's, a, here's the next question. A bit light-hearted. A gym pet peeve of yours. A gym pet peeve? Yeah, I've got one straight away. But what's your what's your pet peeve in the gym? Uh, talking. Talking in the gym. It's talking like they were at Starbucks. If they were at Starbucks, then <laughs> we're not training. <laughs> so I typically, I typically, I typically say to my members, uh, we're at Starbucks or Costa because I don't see no one training. I see more people talking than and stuff like that. So that's a pet peeve. It happens it's when I get it. There's a social environment, there's a social interaction, but there's a right time, right? Um, and I get why people do it. Like my community, or you would call it my family, at the, the studio, all the members, for example, there is a big banter element of us, but we know when the right time to deal with the banter and the right time to push. And you have to find that balance. If it's two-way, like, feels like a coffee shop, then I've actually developed the wrong, wrong brand, I think. The wrong, so, yeah. envi wrong environment. I guess you've got one room, so it's where, I think you're in one room and everyone's literally just an arm's reach, potentially, at times, so... My my pet yeah, yeah. peeve is uh, people not putting their weights away. 
it pisses me right off. <laughs> Obviously, that probably doesn't happen at UFI. I don't think it ever did. It did happen at UFI, but people not putting their weights away does, does my head in. It still does. So luckily at the minute, my weights are in my front room, so I've got nobody to moan to other than myself, and I can just put them wherever I want. Mate, you you got more. My voice, although my sound's gone. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, yeah, cool. So right, um, I think we've gone through this, but it's a question to come through. I think we've answered it throughout. So difference between you fit studio and a typical gym. I think we've gone through that, but it's more exclusive, I guess, and it's not. You can't just walk in, and there's more accountability, and you guys cater for that individual, and it is about that individual. It's more personable. That's fundamentally bottom line. If you want, yeah. if anything, if anything comes with higher barriers, mostly because it comes with a person, but a person is so personable and the value, right? Think of a lot of the things you attach value to, um, whether it's nice holidays, whether it's hotels, look at the, the service you receive. It is that a lot of clients pay for the service they receive because they feel it's a value, but it's of the highest value because I have the highest standards. Um, well, so for me, yeah. it's bespoke. It's five star service, basically. Yeah. Or accept anything less. Right. Last question, and I think we've got a few questions that have popped up on here. So, what's this? So, with a reduction in my weight training, so I'm using home bands currently, do you recommend I reduce the calories? I still want to put on muscle, but will this be hard? At home. At home. Said, with resistant bands. Okay. I'm going to be honest, the, the, the get, name of the game now, they hit to build tissue, because you're going to find it very challenging and potentially very frustrating. Uh, you could do, it depends on, uh, actually you can't, you've got bands, right? Um, if you had a home gym, it'd be a different scenario, but if you're trying to build muscle with bands, I'm going to be honest, you, you're not going to get to, to the progressive overload needed to grow tissue, and potentially what will happen is you, if your food's too high, you gain fat, fat too quick. If I was yourself, I'd be looking at either, depending on where your body fat is, leaning down a little bit, because it would probably benefit you to grow tissue later on. Um, if I was going to build muscle on a client, I typically like them as lean as possible. Uh, the leaner they are, the more anabolic they are, the more potential uh, true muscle uh, they'll grow. But if I was in your shoes, depending on where your body fat is, if you can't see your abs, then I'd say um, potentially lose a bit of body fat, and then rebuild after we've come out of the uh, coronavirus. And that'll be your best opportunity. Uh, and also give you a little bit of discipline to pull your food down. The thing is, what most people are perceiving at the minute, especially from conversation with my clients, uh, on a week, I've, I've spoke to nearly, I've spoke to 200 clients this week. No, 120 clients this week, right? Uh, most people um, perceive they're training more. So because the majority of people at home now, most people perceive they're training more uh, and don't understand why they don't lose weight. And it's because their lack of effort when they're training, because the effort they put at home is very different to a gym environment. Because in a, in a home environment, you, you've got too many distractions, regardless if you say you're in the, in the workout. But second of all, for example, they miss uh, understanding the calorie content of food. Because, for example, some people don't eat breakfast and then go to work and have lunch and dinner. But now they're having breakfast, lunch and dinner. So the actual food volume's gone up um, and just don't notice it. So if I was in your shoes... I look at your food, potentially look at a lean down. A lot of my male clients, I've told them they've got to uh, lean down a little bit um, and then stabilize. And then we'll go back, we'll go for muscle tissue when the, the studio's reopened. I guess now's a good time, better than ever, to lean down. You might as well, because you, you could do like Sean T's workout and 
do loads of uh, obviously jumping jacks and stuff like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm just going to scroll through the comments, see what questions we have been posed with. There's been a few. Hold on, just want to say thanks. No, okay. Where are we? Where are we? Where are we? Does your gym insurance cover disabilities? None I know of do or will accept anyone with a disability. It's quite a vague question. It depends on obviously the disability, I suppose. Um, yeah. And the I, gym's obviously based in Leicester as well. So. Yeah, it depends on the disability. Um, you find a lot of people just don't know how to deal with disabilities, but there is some trainers out there. It just depends where you are. Um, the disabilities, it depends what it is. Somebody just posted, so you can also change your lifestyle, like getting exercise outdoors, such as hiking, bash out some body weights in open spaces, and a lot of people get stuck in a notion that a gym is required. Yeah, I'd agree on that. Um, again, it depends. I get, from my opinion, depends on somebody's goals and what they want out of it. I think for it, me, Jim is. Yeah. I think it, yeah, I think it's a case of the person. I've got a lot of clients who look, they now love the gym because of the environment they're in, whereas previously yeah. they didn't like the gym. But then I also believe that, for example, you should do exercise you enjoy, um, because it ultimately that's gonna that's gonna take you the furthest and be you're gonna make you the most consistent. Then yeah, if hiking is gonna make you the most consistent of being active, then yeah, do hiking every day, right? Do something you enjoy because the last, the last thing you want to do is do don't do something you enjoy and then resent it and don't do any exercise at all because based on the fact that that the feeling that's generated of resentment you, you don't do for all. So you might as well just do something you enjoy. So if it is hiking, walking, running, then be my guest and continue it because actually that'll be your best form. Right, question from Devil Carlos. I just would like to ask a question: What's the best way to lose the belly fat whilst achieving the shredded? Look, it's a bit of that's calorie deficit, I guess. But go on, you answer it as the expert. <laughs> it's just diet. Calorie deficit, diet. would you say? Cal yeah, calorie deficit. Calorie deficit, but also look at obviously calorie deficit and looking at your output, but also coming down to diet. Most people' perception of what they the calories they eat versus reality is very two different things. Um, so therefore, the first thing I'd do is look at your food and look at the calorie intake if you wanted to be... If, okay, there's two ways to look at it. If you want to be really anal, then yeah, count calories. It's not the first thing I'd go for, but if you really want to understand your nutrition and learn about it, then count calories. If you want to uh, not count calories, just eat when you're hungry. Physically hungry, though. Your stomach should be growling, and you should drink about half a pint of water. If your stomach's still growling, then you're potentially hungry, and then eat slowly, and then listen to when you're 80% full. That's typically the approach I do. Uh, I never, I never really count calories. It's just eating on my body's intuition and being very engaged with my hunger cues. So yeah, but yeah, I don't mean eating pizzas all day. Calorie deficit, yeah, calorie deficit. I need him to open a gym in Grimsby. Um, he's coming to Watford first because I need him here. <laughs> yeah, are you going to go to Grimsby? Any plans? 
I'm only building one super gym and that's it. <laughs> Sorry, um, Sam, always eat slowly and drink water. Yeah, well said. Just think we mentioned that. Uh, what's your number one tip to prevent DOMS? Who's asked that? Farouk. Who's Farouk? Who's Farouk's back? Somebody's asked, what's your, uh, Farouk, Furbug, what's your number one tip to prevent DOMS? Don't train hard. I'm not the expert. Ask Sam. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> It depends what you get DOMS for. At the end of the day, the, the DOMS is an outcome, but it depends what your outcome is. If your outcome is to build tissue, then unfortunately you're going to receive DOMS. If you look into what negates DOMS, yeah, training, not training as much intensity, or looking at the recovery measures. So if, you, if your goal is to build tissue, there's an element of you that's going to have to train hard to create DOMS, right? But also looking at the structure of your program, so therefore it's not the same muscle tissue every main same muscle group every day. But if your goal is to build muscle tissue, but you want to uh, have DOMS but negate the after effect as much as possible, then you have to look at your recovery. So do you sleep uh, seven to eight hours a night? Do, is, your, is your gut function optimal? Right? Is your nutrition quality, is your nutrient density food there? So, for example, are you having plenty of veg? Are you taking supplements? Right? Are you drinking plenty of water? Right? For example, if you want to add, add, it, add further, do you do ice baths? You could, you could, the list could go on. But the chances are, if you want to really push on hypertrophy and, and that set of side of things and, and have DOMS, a lot of people enjoy it, uh, having DOMS. I, I certainly do. But also, if I wanted to negate the effect of DOMS, I'd probably amplify my recovery because most people are shit at recovery. Most people train at, at five hours sleep or have a broken sleep. A lot of people like me have this. I stand my sleep six hours a night, but I wake up in the night. That's, no, that's not that's shit sleep. That's common. It doesn't mean it's normal. It means it's shit. Mm. But again, yeah. that's where I would look. So it's all about uh, recovery message. Now, if you didn't want to have DOMS at all, then the best thing to do is keep exercising at a low intensity because then you'll never get DOMS. But if you go, if you stop exercising, then you go straight back into exercise, you're going to get DOMS. Right, next one. So Sam, so gee, I'm not, I'm not quite understanding your question. What about medication you have to take? Diet, I'm not quite understanding that. Um, again, depends on your medication. What's the best advice for shin splints? Stretch your chin, your calves. I don't know. Sam, don't run. Don't run. Most shin splints. If, she, if she's not a runner, the most, whatever it is, the, the majority of the shin splints I see is running. So is that? I running mean, I used to get them. Running. Yeah, running is run. Yeah, but you did a lot of. Been walking right as well. Right, think about it. Just to do that rucksack and add the different yeah, yeah, weight yeah. on and do it right. So, in essence, it's, it's repetitive. Shins and mostly a repetitive, uh, repetitive strain because you're doing you're either doing too much bouncing on your feet, too much potentially too much walking with too much heavy load, um, depending on the size and stuff. Uh, but chances are it's, it's just too repetitive. So, if you're big, lose weight, it helps it. If you're doing too many bouncy exercises, then don't do that. Uh, allow it to recover. Shin splints will settle, but in essence, they will come back as well. It's a, it can become repetitive because obviously it's a repetitive strain through the, through the shin. So in essence, uh, you've got to back off. And that's the simplest answer I can give based on the context of the question. 
somebody's just I don't quite I don't know somebody just added a comment on the shin splint so shin splints I'd say maybe you need a new insole in your shoe as it's caused from your foot either being flat-footed etc I think but I'm sure you'll get a better answer from the guys I'm not quite sure on that Farouk um do you agree with that Sam do you think do you think your shin splints has got anything to do with your insole it would, it would definitely have something to do with it. It would definitely have to do with something with the feet to some degree, yeah. Because remember that yeah. the first part of the first part of load is through the foot. So for example, if the foot's if the foot's landing funny, it's going to put pressure at the chain. Because typically, what happens is the car, if you've got flat feet, the calf tries to stabilize the ankle, but it takes too much load, and therefore then it just then affects the whole shin, right? Um, so yeah, uh, insoles can work. From my experience, a lot of people hate them. Um, especially off the, off the get-go, obviously, because you've got to put it in, the foot's got to adapt to it, it's got to mould to it, because what you're trying to do is force your foot from flat foot to obviously have an arch, but it's un very uncomfortable for most. Some people, um, for example, some people, some people that I've seen benefit from them massively, and there's, a, there's, but there's a percentage of people that don't benefit from them massively. Um, but also just look at the context of exercise you're doing. Now, I'd always recommend a decent pair of trainers, weight training though, personally. Um, most people just train in any... any any whole uh, gym trainers. Uh, personally, I've seen a lot of benefits with clients using the new uh, Metcon 5s because uh, it gives them more support and more stable. But again, it'll come back down to what's creating it. It always comes back down to eventually what, what's creating the issue in the first place. What's the training effect you're after? If it's a training effect, what's the, what's the overall um, outcome? What is creating it? So if you went backwards and said it's running, then chances are that's not run. Like in my studio, I have no treadmills. Right? I have no treadmills because I don't believe I, I like aerobics, I like running, but fundamentally, a lot of clients I see are just not built for running, unfortunately. Um, so again, it depends what the the reason is you get shin splints from, and then work backwards. But yeah, insoles can work, but they're very decent ones are very expensive. Not these little crappy foamy ones. The decent ones, carbon fiber ones, are expensive. 